Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland-Steed. Welcome to the At Work in America show. We have a great show today. We are going to be talking about inclusion and how organizations can work to create more inclusive uh, environments and and create opportunities for people and how working with uh, a platform or a partner to help you reach those goals can help and be really beneficial. Just We love this subject, Trish. I love inclusion. I love accessibility. I love everything about creating uh, opportunity for people who traditionally maybe have not had a lot of access to opportunity. So this is going to be a great show. Oh, I agree. I think especially because it is still plenty of uh, companies out there with help wanted signs in the windows and uh, and posting jobs in different places and being able to find highly skilled people who maybe have been under their radar a little bit will be a good a good show. So I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah, me too. And don't get me started on the labor market and the low unemployment rate I know. and millions and millions yeah. of open jobs. So that's, that's it's not Friday it. yet. You've got to wait till Friday. Yeah, I'll save that. <laughs> uh, before we get to the show, we welcome our guests, uh, Trish. Let's thank our friends at Paychex. This episode of At Work in America is sponsored by Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. The only constant in business is change, and 2023 will be no exception. That's why hundreds of in-house compliance professionals at Paychex have compiled a list of regulatory issues that could impact businesses the most this year and help you prepare for them. So in their guide, you can find out about federal and state regulations and programs that may affect your business and your employees in the coming year so you can take appropriate actions today. Visit Paychex.com slash AWIA to check it out today. So thank you to our friends at Paychex. I'm actually wearing my Paychex hat for folks who are listening only to the show and not not, not watching us, but uh, they're awesome folks and we we thank them once again. So just we've got two guests who are patiently waiting uh, to, to be welcomed to the show. Now we'll welcome them one at a time. First, we are very happy to welcome Charlotte Dales. Charlotte is the co-founder and CEO of Inclusively, the workforce inclusion platform empowering employers with accommodation insights, access, training, and the support they need to attract and retain previously hidden talent. Charlotte, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. We are excited to have you, and we are also excited to welcome another guest. I love having two guests on the show. It's great because that means I talk less. But uh, <laughs> please welcome Julie Bugala. She is the HR leader at Edward Jones, where she is responsible for leading the home office workforce acquisition strategy and execution, including all operational aspects, DEI talent acquisition strategies, executive recruitment, and the contingent workforce acquisition and management program. Julie, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Looking forward to the conversation. It's great to have you, and I appreciate everybody being here. And I'm—I won't brag too much about how I'm taking this uh, call from warm, sunny Florida, while many of the uh, other folks on this podcast are dealing with snow and inclement weather. But uh, I'm glad everybody made it through the snow to to the podcast today. Yeah, it's good to be here. 
Charlotte, I want to start with you. you. We mentioned Inclusively at the top, but there's a kind of a story behind Inclusively, at least the story behind the story of what kind of inspired you down this path. I'd love for you to maybe share some of that with us. And then after that, maybe tell us just a little bit about Inclusively. Yeah. So um, I started this company a few years ago. Um, it's my second tech company. So um, while I was selling my first company, I was living over in London. Uh, my cousin became the first licensed facialist in the state of Florida with Down syndrome. So she gives facials at a local salon. And um, after getting my first facial from her, she, you know, obviously it was incredibly um, impressive what she was able to achieve and and especially against what many people thought she might achieve in her life. But I think what um, really inspired me to start the company was what I noticed was how easy it was for her employer to make some slight adjustments to her working environment. And so what I wanted to figure out was how can we use technology to make it really, really, really easy for employers to accommodate candidates' unique requests at scale. And that's, you know, across the disability spectrum from Down syndrome and autism to stress, anxiety, depression, um, long COVID is now included under the ADA. Um, and it's, you know, it's not one size fits all, um, even within one disability category. And so how do we make it really easy for employers to handle um, all the personalization that's required um, to sort of fulfill people's different accommodation requests. You know, Charlotte, thank you for sharing that story in the background. One of the things that I think over, you know, the years, if you've been in either human resources or just in business, it, there's always a little bit of a, maybe a myth that um, making these types of accommodations is expensive or it's, you know, very tedious or something that you really have to spend a ton of time tracking. Could you maybe address that angle of it too? Because I, I know that a lot of the people listening will want to know how easy can it be, right? And how inexpensive it is maybe compared to what they think it could cost. Well, I think that, you know, the majority of accommodations are free or under $500 a person. Um, a very well-known accommodation that is made for everyone these days is, you know, flexible work schedule, remote work, hybrid working environment. Those were accommodations that were requested by the disability community long before COVID and were denied. Um, and so I think this is, this, you know, COVID really brought to light, you know, not only how easy um, it can be, but also how ubiquitous accommodations can be throughout your organization without so much disruption to your um, your existing business, you know, day to day. Yeah, Julie, I'd like to turn to you. Uh, first of all, thank you again for joining us uh, from snowy St. Louis today. Uh, can you tell us just real quick, I think everybody probably knows Edward Jones, right? We've seen them like in every town probably in America has an Edward Jones storefront in it probably, but maybe for folks who may be not as familiar with the Edward Jones, could you give us maybe 60, 90 seconds on what Edward Jones is and, and, and what you do there? Oh, sure. Yeah. Thank you for the question. I appreciate that. For those who may not be familiar, uh, Edward Jones is a Fortune 500 financial services company. What we do is, generally speaking, for the past 101 years, we've offered, we offer wealth management services like financial planning and investment services to individual investors. And, and that is, you know, over 7 million uh, clients and counting over the last 100 years. And we are uh, located in, you know, all, st all 50 states in the U.S. and all 10 provinces in Canada. We have about 19,000 financial advisors. 
Wow. Our scale is one of our advantages. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Julie, great. Thank you for that little reset and that little overview. I'd love for you to maybe talk a little bit about sort of the topic of the day while we're here about uh, the, both the organization, at, you know, at, at a philosophical level, but also at a practical level, the commitments that Edward Jones has made and some of the steps Edward Jones is taking to, you know, to create more opportunities, create a more diverse organization and a more inclusive organization. Because I've read, I did some homework before the show, Julie. It's remarkable the commitment to this topic uh, that I'm seeing from such a huge organization. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much. I, I just stated a, a second ago that over 100 years, right, we've been providing these wealth management services. So we, you know, we have just celebrated 100, 100 years of service to our communities in 2022. And although it was a celebratory birthday milestone, it was also an opportunity for us to reflect on the impact that we have made on our clients and our colleagues and those communities and as we look forward to the next 100 years, you know, thinking about how we can make an even greater impact for all of our stakeholders, which includes also the current and prospective workforce, which is along the lines of the topic we're talking about here, right? Labor. Uh, so, you know, of course, we are committed to that place of belonging where everyone feels like they can bring their authentic self. And like many companies, we also are striving to equip all of our associates and our leaders with all of the resources and the tools that they need to reach that increasingly diverse pool of clients and candidates that we're seeking to serve, um, that want to bring them their authentic selves to work every day. So what that, you know, one of the what that really comes down to is that that place of belonging is one of our culture mindsets. That's important. It's a culture mindset, something that's embedded in our culture. But also equally important, it's also about a set of actions or behaviors to bring that mindset to life, right? So our approach then, as we get to practicality here, our approach as a firm is to address some of those pressing challenges as we look ahead to the next 100 years. And one of those challenges around is around how do we continue to advance inclusive growth? not just with our clients, but also within our workforce, within our workforce. So all of that really for Edward Jones starts with setting some ambitious representation goals to increase the number of people, color and women and other among leadership and financial advisors. So we've got 19,000 advisors, right? But we have 50,000 people in total at Edward Jones. And so we've got a magnificent opportunity to increase the impact there as we think about people of color and leadership, uh, females in leadership, people of color uh, in our financial advisor ranks, women, people with disabilities in these positions as well. So there's a number of different things then that we do to bring or to demonstrate those activities that help us bring that culture to life. So couple of examples then real time is, you know, we're doing things when we talk about recruiting and we talk about development, we're doing things like refreshing our mentorship program, taking a look at the framework of the mentorship program, how inclusive is it, what is the uh, framework that the, the leader, the mentor and the mentee are using to further those, their conversations. We're doing things like committing to diverse slates as part of that interview process so that we can expose our hiring leaders to a broader range of qualified talent. And ultimately, like we've been talking about, widen our lens and our access to this untapped talent pool that's out there. Like you said, Steve, 
we are at a uh, historical moment, at least in the U.S., at a you know 50-year unemployment low historical mm-hmm. moment. So, so doing what we can to tap you know untapped labor today, uh, which includes part of the reason we've got our partnership with Inclusively. There's a few other things that I just might mention that might be relevant or interesting to the audience. Is we're, you know we're doing a few other things like uh, updating our career site so that we can explore ways to bring greater transparency to our commitment to diversity throughout that hiring process. So for example, you say, right, you're committed to being an inclusive environment. How do you demonstrate that as I'm moving through that selection process? Things like creating realistic job previews, embedding testimonial videos uh, on our digital interview platform. Those are a couple of examples. Thank you for sharing that, Julie. Those are all really good examples that I think others can learn from and and imitate, right, in their own organizations if they're not already. Um, One question for you. I mean, you mentioned realistic job previews. Is that something that Edward Jones is sort of bringing down to that skills level? I know Steve and I have for the last, say, three to five years, really, really progressive companies are maybe not moving off of a job description, if you will, but definitely a much more skills-focused job preview. And yes. we're finding that that actually benefits people who are maybe neurodiverse or you know on the spectrum or they're physically uh, differently abled in some way. Is that something that you all are looking at as you're sort of making these job previews? Yes, Trish. Yeah, absolutely we are. I mean, we will maintain your traditional job description uh, which, by the way, is also something that we're looking at to ensure, like, this is a simple thing that we can do to ensure that the job descriptions are inclusive and are not, you know, inadvertently excluding people through language uh, choice, for example. Uh, another thing we're doing is maintaining our enhanced job descriptions. And an enhanced job description is where we may have, for example, uh, a, an employee testimonial video that goes along with the job description. But then the next step for us then is, is to explore the realistic job preview, which puts a, a focus and a lens on the skills that are being used and sort of a day in the life of that individual in that position. So it really it does act as a first screen for the process because it's an opportunity for a prospective candidate to see if they can if they see themselves aligned to those skills uh, in that uh, those responsibilities and make a choice about whether or not they would like to continue further. Yeah, I think with that too, that's a really good opportunity if you have people in roles already who are people of color, women maybe in leadership positions or right. people that have different, you know, physical or yeah. mental um, differences that they, you know, you can show these are people that work here and are doing these jobs very successfully, right? Yes, 100%. Yeah, I mean, we've got a, a really terrific, a really engaging career website today with Edward Jones. And we're going to make that even better. We are building, we're curating and building out some additional content that will demonstrate our commitment to diversity, equality, and inclusion. Okay. I mean, I think it's always work in progress, right? We've never just, there, there's always going to be work to do. So we would never say we've arrived or we're the best. We would say that we're continuously learning. We're continuously on this journey, testing what's working and then, you know, getting feedback and seeking to improve that. Julie, thank you for sharing uh, what's happened, some of the things that you guys are doing at Edward Jones. And it's remarkable, right, that the the, the commitment to these uh, inclu- the inclusive environment 
it's one thing to say it, right? Like you said, right? It's one, what are you actually doing? And and I think that's kind of what I wanted to ask Charlotte next, really, right? Because no organization, at least to my knowledge, no organization would come out and say, oh, no, we're not interested in being more diverse or more inclusive. We're not interested in creating more accessibility or opportunity. Everyone would sort of line up behind those those statements, right? They're easy to make, but they're harder to actually implement or put into action. Uh, Charlotte, what are some of the things when you maybe you start working with a new organization or even when you're talking to organizations or talking to other uh, recruiting or and or HR leaders, uh, you know, in your role at Inclusive League, what what are some of the things that that they could, I don't know, start with, right? If we're saying, hey, we're we've never really uh, uh, actively or or proactively tried to reach out and broaden uh, our access to opportunities at our organization. Where do I begin? I guess is the way I, I phrase the question. Is, is there some things that they can just start with that that can make an impact that that aren't that complex? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I've learned in the past few years of of working in this space, and yes, I did another tech startup before, but I was not. I've you know my experience in disability was from a personal. Um, family member and and from the past, you know, three to four years, I guess. Um, but one of the things I learned um, over these these years and more, you know, prominently recently is that, as you said, like people are making the statements and, and I actually think there's genuine intention behind them. Um, I think where people immediately start to focus is like, how do we go find them? Like, how many people can we hire right now, like today? And no one is taking a step back and thinking, why does this problem exist? Like, why are these, you know, populations disproportionately excluded from the workforce? Why are they not making as much as, you know, their counterparts? And like, let's solve that problem, not the let me go shove 100 people into your organization right now. Like, let's let's solve the root problem. And I think what people don't realize is when you do that, you're organically opening up the door much wider so that everyone can come in. Um, and so I think um, from like a practical standpoint, um, things that people can do, you know, straight away is to start thinking about their interview process even. Like, you know, are you are you forcing people to go through a panel interview? Cause that's just always how you've ever done this type of interview. Um, well, many people in the neurodiverse community w- perform much better in a one-on-one setting. And so is it a big deal that you might change that? Why are we putting, you know, people through the exact same process when people are all all very different? Um, and I think that's something that we always, um, you know, we talked on like job descriptions as well, but it's it's less about what I think is like really out there on the screen and more the mindset of the person that they're going to meet. And, you know, We've heard people, you know, make comments like, oh, well, that person has never worked at a place like X before. And it's like, that's opportunity, not skill, as Mm -hmm. we were saying earlier. And so I think if you can really start thinking about the mindset of various different people at your company when they're going to screen in it a resume and interview talent, that's the easiest place to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Can I just reinforce what Charlotte said there? I mean, I really, so, you know, Charlotte inclusively are doing their part to address that particular question that is out there, uh, you know, and, and, and as, an, as an employer, really, we're seeking to maximize the confidence that our prospective candidates have as they're then coming through the processes. So we're really focused on looking at what are those common friction points 
for individuals um, who are diff uh, different differently able that are coming through the process? Where do we have opportunities to remove those friction points? Um, we're so glad that she's out there solving that. In the meantime, we've got work to do to make sure that as this is starting to unfold, that we're, we're ready, right, for these individuals, that we're removing those pain points. I'm glad you share that, that not only is Edward Jones ready, because I think a lot of organizations are ready. You know, uh, Charlotte, you mentioned, you know, obviously your entrance into this was on a, on a personal level. I think that maybe that's a good place too, Steve, if you're talking about where can people start, think about people that you know in your own family, right? If you're listening to this, you're in working in HR, ask people from your organization, who do they know? Maybe it's someone at their church or a local, you know, community involvement that they're in, but start seeking out people that you know, maybe is your starting point too, and find out because what a good way to pilot, uh, you know, some sort of a program to start bringing people who are differently abled into your workforce, right? Start there. I think the other thing, Charlotte, and I'd, I'd be interested if you have any, any comment on this, you know, it's, to me, it's a little bit of a generational thing. Like I, you know, I don't think that people, you know, I'm 52. I don't think if you're in your fifties and you might have, um, neurodiversity issues, or maybe you're physically, you know, challenged in some way, your parents didn't necessarily tell you, Hey, you can go out and have any kind of job you want. Right. It just wasn't, it just wasn't yeah. done. There wasn't the internet. You couldn't go seek out information very easily. I do wonder, are you seeing that shift and change as now, you know, parents who have autistic children or physically disabled children, they can, they can show them what is going on in the world that awaits them. Are you seeing that shift from yeah, a larger I mean, perspective? The, the data is showing that too. So if you think about, you know, the education systems now, everyone in, you know, millennials and Gen Zs have been accommodated for in the, in their education system. And so they're just leaving that system and, and expecting their job to do the same thing. And you see that in the data, it's, you know, the jet that this generation is 25% more likely to disclose a disability request accommodations at work. I mean, that's a significant shift from, mm -hmm. you know, the overall average where, you know, it's believed that about 30% of the existing workforce actually meets the federal definition of having a disability. So already at your company, but only 5% are actually requesting accommodations. So that's a huge gap. Um, and that's a huge miss. Like you're by them not asking for accommodations. They can't be as productive, successful, and ultimately they're probably churning and trying to go find a better fit for, for them. So I think that, yes, definitely um, it's become not just more of a cultural you know discussion but i think just what people have experienced in their education system has has now bled into what they're expecting from their employer that's great just a quick follow-up for me and then i know everybody else has questions too um so if uh you mentioned at the top of the show you know that things like long covid are considered you know, protected under the ADA, but also, um, you know, uh, anxiety, right? Yeah. Any sort of sort of mental pressures or, or things like that in mental health. Could you talk a little bit about that? What are some of the things you're hearing from maybe your clients or just potential clients? What are they looking for assistance in from a technology standpoint when it comes to people who may have anxiety um, or long COVID or some things that yeah. weren't commonly protected before? 
Yeah. So I think that, you know, how I was saying that, you know, only 5% of people are requesting accommodations. Like part of that is because culturally what you, what you said is, you know, originally people with disabilities were told like, don't disclose until you absolutely have to, or unless you absolutely have to. So what this means is that we have a whole lot of people with disabilities that don't even know what accommodations they could be asking for because they've always been told not to ask for them. Um, and so I think, you know, as we see, you know, long COVID and, and almost like disabilities come to light, like anxiety, depression, where maybe historically people wouldn't have identified as having a disability. But if we start to see like the sort of, you know, net widen, um, more people are starting to figure out, you know, what what should we be doing for people, you know? And so we we actually did at the end of last year, a proprietary um, research report on the effects of long COVID in the workforce. And it's very similar to accommodating um, someone who has just had a baby. Like, it's not like they need, you know, whatever, three to six months off, but getting a period of time where you don't just expect them to come straight back to work and resume responsibilities immediately after their physical symptoms have left um, has really helped a lot of people that we interviewed. Um, but most of them had said that, you know, the way they felt when they were talking about it was like, it just appeared that they looked lazy or that they, you know, were just, you know, not motivated anymore. And I think, you know, that lack of understanding between themselves and even what they're feeling, they don't even know. And the employer just shows that, um, you know, there's so many, that's exactly how people, all people with disabilities feel, that people don't understand them or um, don't believe them. And so I think by a lot of this coming more to light, it's it's much easier um, for people to start thinking about, okay, what could I do for that person? Because it becomes more like something you might have experienced. So, so Julie, I had another question for you because you talked a little bit about some of the specific programs and the activities that are happening at Edward Jones to sort of help embed the idea, the cultural mindset, I think you referred yeah. to, right, of, of the commitment to DE&I and the expansion of opportunities. If it's possible, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but if it's possible, and you can anonymize this, of course, right, can you share a story or two, maybe perhaps from your experience or the experience there at Edward Jones where where some of these programs or whether it's working with partners like inclusively or other programs you've done at Edward Jones have created real opportunity for people that five years ago, 10 years ago, maybe wouldn't have happened and, and sort of what's been, what's been the positive outcome for both for them and for, and for the organization as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'll start with, you know, our partnership with inclusively. And so, so this relationship began to come together just probably a couple of years ago, but I would say 2022 was really a big year for us, both from from yielding results uh, from our partnership together, as well as learning. So as we talk about, like, for example, success stories, we would look at 2022 as a, as a test and learn year, but also a success story because of what we've learned. And, and, you know, we, so we set out the year to, you know, with some ambitions around how could we increase the application conversion rate? How could we get more applications? How could we increase the conversion rate and, and learn uh, as we moved along? And so what, one of the things we learned is just putting just a little bit of additional focus on employment and opportunities for individuals with disabilities, just a little bit resulted in a significant impact on the number of matches and the applications and, 
really the job offers that went out. I mean, we exceeded some of our goals there, which was just really fantastic to see. And that was just with a little bit of extra energy and focus. But a couple of key takeaways that we learned while we were going through as an employer is something that, you know, Charlotte's kind of touched upon already, which is that we've got a need to prioritize the improvement of our application process. We've got to prioritize that. Um, but also what we learned from the candidates coming through the inclusively process and relationship with Edward Jones is that they prioritize new ways of working as well. They benefit, benefit from things like uh, the remote work, telework, uh, also you know, having extra time, flexible schedules, so some, these are some of the things that as we're moving through the year together, we stop and pause and we talk about what are the key learnings we have and how do we then incorporate those key learnings into the adoption of our practices moving forward. So uh, 2022 is just a big year of learnings that we're going to carry forward into 2023 uh, to, to strengthen the partnership even more. Julie, thanks for sharing some of that. Yeah, it's it's remarkable how small steps, right? Charlotte mentioned this at the very top of the show, right? It, many of these steps are small. Many of them are very inexpensive, sometimes even free, right? But they yeah. can have a pretty significant impact, right, on outcomes and access to opportunities for folks. And uh, and I think if there's one takeaway from the, I don't know, Trish, eight or nine shows we've done on this type of topic over the last year and a half, two years, I feel like that's one of them. Going back to some of the things our friends at the Special Olympics told us, uh, our friend, the professor at Vanderbilt uh, told us. From the right, Brisk when we Center. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He told us about uh, expanding opportunity for folks on the autism spectrum, right? He talked about some very, very basic interventions that organizations can make on the interview process specifically, right? right. To to make it more accessible and more and, and not so much to favor anyone really, but just to create equal opportunities, right? Or, or, or opportunities to begin with, right? And that's, yeah. we hear that time and time again. Well, I think it would be interesting. I mean, as we're talking through this, it's like, it would be interesting if the word, you know, accessibility wasn't something you had to even discuss, right? Or, or giving someone yeah. some sort of an accommodation, right? If we didn't even have to talk about accommodations, because if we were just designing our workplaces and the roles truly to be inclusive, when we get to that point, I mean, Julie, you mentioned earlier, yeah. right? This is always a work in progress, right? We're never done. But I do think maybe 10 years down the road, when we look back, I hope what we're seeing is, is a workplace where we don't have to make accommodations, I'm doing air quotes, right? That, that that's something where we've built that in so that people with all different abilities feel comfortable. And maybe it would be very rare that you would need someone to have something really specifically different, you know? That's kind of, I think our, our vision for the company is to create one front door for everyone. So we've started with the disability community, um, they're the largest untapped talent pool, and they're also the ones that have the most accommodation requests in terms of variety and the most unmet. So if you can solve for um, people with disabilities, you can start, I mean, a lot of these accommodations anybody would want. And so why wouldn't we just design a more personalized process that everyone um, is, you know, happier at their job, more productive and and less likely uh, to churn. And, you know, we have employers a lot of the time say, oh, well, you know, what if what if people without disabilities or what if someone without a disability starts to ask for this stuff, too? And it's like, well, if you can accommodate people with disabilities at scale, why wouldn't you accommodate someone else with the same accommodation? Like, imagine if you normalized 
and made people feel comfortable to ask for what they needed to be successful. Imagine knowing what would make someone churn before you even hired him. That's the data that employers are really after is how do I reduce the, you know, $600 billion a year that employers are spending on voluntary turnover. Yeah. Yeah. Good uh, point. I, Julie, I just have one more question for you uh, before we let every, let you go, certainly, and, and let folks go, which is uh, you mentioned you've got some really aggressive goals uh, or goals at Edward Jones that you've talked about, uh, representation goals, et cetera. Um, are there ways are you guys like, uh, you know, communicating that throughout the organization? Is everybody made aware of them or is, is there any level of um, measurement and or accountability for folks to meet those goals, et cetera? I'd love to hear just about the philosophy of, OK, we're setting these aggressive goals. Here's what we're going to try to do to make sure we, we we live up to those goals. Steve, thanks for that question. You know, we you know, our, our purpose as a company is to partner for positive impact with our clients and our colleagues in the communities in which we serve. If the purpose is our why, our culture is our how. And our culture mindsets are a big piece of how we enable our purpose and our strategies, which, which is our what. So that those culture mindsets that I referenced early on, those are really what's embedded um, throughout, you know, sort of the, the fabric of the associate experience. So whether it's part of the hiring process, well, whether it's part of our performance management process, right? If if what we if our object our, our work objectives are our what, our how is our actions and our behaviors, is that's where we see culture in place of belonging truly embedded. All of this, of course, is communicated um, through to our associates. We, you know, all of the great things that the DEI organization does is easily accessible and actually kind of permeates the organizations through our BRGs, for example, our business resource groups. So DEI brings those initiatives and this culture of place of belonging to light through our BR BRGs, through things like DEI conferences. That's another connection point for our associates. Things like Better Together Summits, which are specifically for our financial advisors. And that's where we can bring our financial advisors together and what are some of the more like um, uh, traditionally underrepresented communities, bring them together and help push, uh, you know, elements of DEI recruiting, help to build inclusive leadership, talk about what does it mean, uh, what does allyship mean? So those better together summits, courageous conversations, that's another touch points for associates with our DEI and of course, curated content through things like our DEI Learning Academy. So I'm kind of scratching the surface there. So it's more than just things that you can find on our internal website. It's a way that you can connect with our DEI strategy and bring it to life. Julie, thank you for that. And I'll just throw in there, just this is just for me. A lot of what you talked about is actually on the career side itself, right? You talk yep. about the business resource groups, the commitment to DEI, some of the goals are published on the website. Uh, Details about the DEI conference you mentioned are also out there for candidates to to check out, which I think is great. Yeah. Right, it's great that you're putting it out there and being really open and transparent about what you you at the firm, the firm itself, is standing behind. So that's fantastic. Last question, I guess, would be to Charlotte. Right, uh, Charlotte, uh, it's been an exciting uh, run for you and the team at Inclusively. Uh, anything you want to just throw out there for us to look for as 2023 we get into the year now and uh, plans, goals, direction. What what should we look forward from you and and the folks at Inclusively this year? 
Uh, what we're really looking forward to this year is starting to broaden the application of what we've built um, into a more diverse subset of the population. So as I was alluding to earlier, everybody has personal preferences and accommodations that um, could make you know their work um, their work more productive and them happier on the job. And so that's sort of what we're looking forward to this year is how can we apply this to other demographics that um, might also be sort of excluded from the workforce because of sort of one size fits all processes. Um, and I'd say, you know, the other the other thing I would say is a final thought, which we kind of alluded to um, Trish did earlier on, you know, going and you know how do people get started? But I get asked this all the time, um, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions for anyone listening on this call or anyone you know uh, working at a large company who would like to see their company moving towards this, um, people like Julie are not the ones responsible solely for the change. Every single person at the company has the ability to just decide to do it differently and to just decide to try and go seek out a more diverse um, pipeline. And so I think that a big, you know, a big hurdle for us and a big thing that we're very excited about is just getting more people at the company on the Inclusively platform just to start changing their mindset when it comes time for them to hire. Really great stuff. Uh, we could probably go on for a while, Trish. We've, like I said before, we've done this topic a number of times from lots of different angles. It never stops being interesting. It never stops being important as well. So I'm glad we're able to do this. Thanks. I am too. Thank you both for coming on and, and bringing such different rich perspectives too, because as Steve mentions, even though we do many shows on this topic in some way, shape or form, I think what you both brought to, to our audience is a new perspective, right? A new way to think about whether it's a process or the way you, you sort of think about things, um, a new technology to think about. It, it's all very helpful to the people that are listening. So thank you for coming. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, I do. Yeah. I'll say that again. Julie, uh, thanks so much. Julie Bagala from Edward Jones. Um, I, I, we need to talk offline about my the issue I had with my financial advisor, Julie, not an Edward Jones advisor. So maybe that, you can help me with that later. Um, Charlotte Dales from Inclusively, of course. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll put links uh, in the show notes to Inclusively, to the Edward Jones career page, where you could read uh, a lot more about some of the initiatives uh, that are happening at Edward Jones and some of the things Julie talked about as well. Um, I want to thank them once again for joining us. And uh, Trish, thank you. Uh, good, uh, Stay warm in the cold uh, Midwest winter uh, today. And uh, thanks, of course, to our friends at Paychex. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to the HR Happy Hour Network of Shows anywhere you get your podcasts. Go to hrhappyhour.net for all the show archives. Uh, for our guest, Julie Begala, for Charlotte Dales, for Trish McFarlane, my name's Steve Bose. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. And bye for now.